Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Yes, you recognize that voice, the broadcaster for all seasons, the great Stacy King. <laughs> Episode 45 of Gimme the Hot Sauce. And Stacy, I hope you caught it last week, did a great job broadcasting with Adam Amin on the White Sox Royals game, and he got the baseball broadcaster's worst break, a long rain delay. Stacy, how'd you survive that? I'll tell you what, two things. I got, I got shafted twice, okay? Not only did I get shafted because of the two-hour rain delay, it started, yeah. the game was supposed to start, I think, at 7, and ended up starting like 9 after 9, and then the Sox lost. Ooh, and there was no excitement. Lost. There was no excitement was in the game. It was a beatdown. You and, killed it. Uh, you know what? You know, you know, you can't you can't keep greatness down. You know? That's right. Awesome. I, I can I can I transcend the sports. I go from one sport to another. <laughs> but I mean, I, I came away with a different appreciation for guys that do that yeah. game. I mean, you there's so many numbers, so many things that are involved behind the scenes that I don't think the average fan knows. Because I was actually a fan sitting in the chair, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I know I'm a, I'm I'm a broadcaster for basketball, NBA basketball. But I literally was a fan sitting in there. And it was like driving a Ferrari and not knowing how to drive it. <laughs> you, you know, you're stick shifting, you're stripping the gears, but hey, you're going to get to where you need to go. 
That's what that was me. Yeah, but you've got that baseball expertise. I mean, you coach the game, you, you follow it closely. So it wasn't like you were in there not knowing what the game was all about. Yes, and you know, Mark, that you, now that you bring that up, you know, yes, I am. I am a championship baseball coach. My kids, <laughs> oh, my boy. kids' team. We, we won the Cabo World Series back in uh, 2009. Uh, we were a 15-year-old team competing at the 17-year-old level at Youngstown, Ohio. So we beat a bunch of kids that were going into their freshman year wow. with a sophomore team. That tells yeah, you how that's good coaching. my team. So shout out to my Long Grove A's out there, all my little players that battled with me from nine years old all the way yeah. up, and we got us a ring, and that really helped me in the broadcast the other night. So shout out to the Long Grove A's. I tell you, the crossover segment. Oh, that was, was really good. Yeah, that, was oh, that was outstanding. That's classic. So that was That's Big classic. Hurt and Ozzy. That's, That's the awesome. kind of crossover I like because yeah. it was unpredictable. Yes. And Ozzy, wow. Ozzy is like a, a powder keg, you know. And I know Ozzy. You know, I've met Ozzy plenty of times, and he's that way in person. But to, to sit there and you're on the other end, you go, what is he going to say? What, what's next? What is we he going to do? We should get him on the you show. Know, we are. Trust me. We are, awesome. We've are. we already worked that out. So I love the fact that they were rooting for you. Like Frank yeah. and Ozzy, it was like you were part of the family. And I know you are because you've been a part of that family. But they were really rooting for you and so excited and happy for you to get that chance. I can yeah. feel that. Yeah, they were. I mean, I'm friends with both those guys. And, and me and Frank, we, you know, we go back a long way. So... Um, it would be the same way if they came over to the basketball side. We'd be doing the same thing with them. It, it's a brotherhood. It doesn't matter which sport you call. Yeah. I mean, as broadcasters, we're all broadcasters. And, you know, to be able to, and you see guys like Adam and Jason Benetti, they jump from sport to sport to sport yeah. as the, the lead guy. You know, but as the analyst part, that's tougher. You know, because as, as the actual guy who actually calls the game, it, to me, that's a little bit easier. But to be an analyst of an NBA game and then coming over and trying to analyze a baseball game, that was a little tougher. I think the hardest part for me is just the numbers and the analytics part because that plays more of an important role in calling a baseball game per se, a basketball game. Especially when you're not on remote and then all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, you, you can't that, see what's going oh, on. What's on the monitor. Situation oh. with Tony coming out yeah. and you guys were just, I mean, I'm not going to say clueless because it was had no idea what was going on with the no, with it's the, happening all around the country though broadcasters yeah. are complaining that yeah. they can't see the field they yeah. well in baseball baseball is a lot more difficult than basketball yeah. we, we, we had some struggles early on in basketball but we were able to you know get through it and and be able to call the games and you know with a baseball game you can't see where the balls hit you don't know where it's going yeah. like if it's if it's down the line you yeah. don't know if it's down the line so i, I think at the end of the day um, you know, I, I just I just try to do what I do best, you know, be comfortable, be myself and call the game how I would call the game if, you know, I was doing a basketball game, basically. Well, you entertain the audience. I know everybody enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it. Looking forward to seeing yeah. Stacey King and Adam yeah. do another game. No, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do that again. I think, <laughs> I think, I think I'm going to commit America, to a 12-hour day. America, America, it was, you know, listen, oh, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm a very talented guy. I'm, 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 oh, I will say gosh. that. But... That was a little <laughs> bit too. That was a little, I say out of my comfort zone. That was way out of my yeah. comfort zone. Now, I think that really the biggest thing was was the rain delay because I didn't yeah, get home. Off, I didn't yeah. get home till two thirty in the morning, oh. and that that just sucked. Yeah. I mean, seriously. And then on top of it, I we were we were there. We were hungry, so I said, "Hey, I'm gonna oh, treat. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna treat <laughs> Here the we crew. Go. <laughs> I'm gonna treat the crew since we're all like I'm gonna treat my man Joe Groove." And Adam Amin to dinner. So yeah. I asked him what they wanted, you know, and they, oh, we don't care. So I said, I'm ordering P.F. Chang's. So that's one of my little go-to restaurants yeah. out of here in the suburbs. So I ordered P.F. Chang's on Uber Eats. And I'm sitting there waiting for him. The rain delay. We would have been able to eat the dinner 
during the rain delay. Sure. That's why I ordered yeah. it. Okay. Timing works out perfectly. It worked out perfectly. Yeah. So I'm sitting there waiting. So I'm texting the driver like, yo, where, where you at? I said, you know, I told you where to go. And he says, well, I, I don't know where the door is. I'm, I said, it's right. You got to go to the main entrance on the Michigan Avenue side. That's you know, the, before you go on with this, I should have mentioned this during the uh, production meeting. The main entrance to NBC Towers on uh, Columbus Drive. Well, Mark, unfortunately, I don't work there, okay? <laughs> this is what Joe Groove told me Does to Kirk do. Oh, yes, problem. yeah, no, throwing no. Groove out of the Joe Groove, oh, yes, I am go. throwing Joe Groove because he gave me the address and told him on Michigan Avenue side because that was the only door that was Michigan open. Michigan Avenue is a long way from the NBC Tower. So, 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 so. No, 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 that little drive-through. That's little, the City Front Plaza. Okay, that's right. what that's where he wanted me to yeah. take, the yeah, City that'd Front Plaza. The right, that'd be that's what it was, City Front Plaza. Thank you, Mark. I knew you were good for something. I worked there for seven yeah, so I'm saying, you yeah. know, you know all the little the ins and outs, yeah. okay? Because I came underneath, um, you know, off Illinois Street, um, underneath. Yeah, for the underground that's, parking. That's why yeah. I go. Yeah. So, you know, it's free. Mm -hmm. you know, I get I get special treatment down there. They yeah. just, you know, everybody else. I got pay. special treatment too until they showed me the door. Oh, oh Mark. Oh, man. well, you know what? Shame special. on those people because you are talented. But anyway, back to my story about how I lost my yeah, food. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. So I'm sitting there, I'm waiting for this guy, and you know, he's I'm texting, him, "Where you at, man? I can't find it. I'm I'm walking around the the NBC towers. So you're walking around the NBC towers, really, dude? Like, come on now. Yeah. I told you where to go. All you had to do is go right back out to the front, city front plaza, yeah. and go drop it off. The man's waiting for you. Didn't do it. He yeah. went home. He took the food that I got, $165 worth of food, took it home, and probably ate it with his family. Okay. I, I don't really, you know, I didn't care about that because I'm going to get a refund. If it helped him and his family, so be it. Okay. So I decided to do another little smart move. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to reorder the food. Because I'm going to get a refund anyway for the first one. Right. So I reorder it. And now the game is getting ready to start. So it's like 15 minutes before the game start. Here's this person that calls me on the phone. Uh, excuse me. Um, we don't have a, um, you know, they, they don't have the order ready. I said, what do you mean they don't have the order ready? It says right here on the phone on the Uber thing. is It's ready. No, they, they, they said they canceled the order. And yeah. I said, what? So I, I get, let me speak to somebody on the phone. So I speak to some girl. I said, hey, you know, what's the deal with the food? I just ordered the food. She said, well, we thought it was a duplicate order it when was. it came in. Okay. So we canceled it. So I said, so you canceled it, but you took my money. So how is it a duplicate order? If you pay, if it's already paid for, then you should have made the food. Yeah. Well, you have to take that up with my manager. I oh. said, well, I don't have time to take it up with your manager. We're starving over here. We're hungry. We're in a rain delay. We're trying to and, broadcast and the baseball game. And we game. need some food. Yeah. So she goes, she goes. Well, um, I'm sure Uber Eats will, um, you know, reimburse you. You know, which they did. But I was just like. Why wouldn't you just called Uber Eats and said, "Hey, look, is this a duplicate order? Or is this yeah. a new order?" That's what you would have. That's what you think they would have done. But it took too much effort. So then I said, "Hey, how about y'all just go ahead and cook the food? The driver's right there. Just cook it and throw yeah. it together. Boom, boom. Because it was lettuce wraps and some, you know, dynamite uh, shrimp or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, yes, yum. That's why I was so. That's why I was upset. <laughs> that's why I was upset. So, so then she goes, "Well, the kitchen's closed." <laughs> and I'm like, are you serious? Like, three wow. strikes, you're out. Yeah. So, so $350 just disappeared. Oh. Poof. Oh, man. So, and I want to send food. a special shout out to Hooters. You know, Hooters. Hooters in the city. I want to send a special shout out to Hooters because they took care of me. They delivered me uh, at least a pound and a half, two pounds of Actually, shrimp, um, uh, some that. chicken wings. Joe Group said it was 20 pounds of wings inside that bag. He said, nope. 
He ordered shrimp much easier. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had shrimp and everybody else had chicken wings. Yeah. But I ordered enough for everybody. Like even the guys in the truck that were in, you know, yeah. in the main studio, if they wanted some. And uh, but I shout out to Hooters. You know, I I'm a I'm listen, I'm I'm a member of the Hooters Men Club. I love going to Hooters. I have my card, I can go no. in all over the world. I'm a Hooters fan. <laughs> uh, America, I'm not gonna lie, okay? I've even bought my wife a pair of orange shorts and a halter top so she can walk around. How'd that go over? It, it went over really good. It went over really good. Hey, it went, it went over really good, baby. She wasn't, hey, she wasn't in it very long, though. I'm just going to throw that out there, America. Did she put it back on? Uh, no, she only wore it one time. Her slogan used to be delightfully tacky yet unrefined. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It yes. was. I don't look at it being tacky. Okay. Of course not. I think that you know, I, I love it. I mean, I love, I mean, I, I grew up with those orange shorts and the little white shirt, you know, and Coconut Grove. You know, that was one of our favorite stops when we were on the, you know, our championship years. You know, we stayed in Coconut Grove and, and there used to be oh, a yeah. Hooters right across the you street. Know, I've yeah. always wondered who goes what? to Hooters. Everybody. You have hey, answered that you, question. Are you talking about that hotel that had the, it had uh, the whirlpools? The whirlpools. Oh. The whirlpools. Yes, and the, and the mirrors. On yes, the we ceiling. had. I don't know about the mirrors in the ceiling. Oh, I never, I never got a chance to look at that. They had anyway, the, they had the pianos. Freak. <laughs> yes, had the pianos. Yes, yes, and they had the, the most important thing. This hotel had there. the hot tub. The hot tub was all had was on your well, balcony. Yeah. But now that I look back, that could have been a health yeah, hazard. Yeah, you know, I, you know, yeah, Mark, I, now that I look back I, on it, Mark. I took one look at that. <laughs> no, no chance, so. Mark. No, but it was self. It was self cleaning hot tub because you could oh. drain it. Yeah. and then you could re, you know bring it back up. But my story about Hooters. We used to go. Listen, Susan, Susan, seriously, seriously, Susan, now that I'm older, I'm, I, I make that same face you're making right now. Uh, but back then when I was young, I thought it was cool. I thought it was having a hot tub. You know, you have a little hot tub, you know, you have a little hot tub, hot tub, hot tub, hot tub. And so, but Hooters was right across the street. So here's a funny story. Oh We're God. playing the Miami Heat in the um, in the playoffs. It was that's when you had like a five. It was the best three out of five, mm -hmm. and so <laughs> we crushed them in in Chicago, and it was snowing. And so we all we were all sitting there saying, "Man, what if what if they beat us? Yeah, maybe know? we give maybe, them a game. maybe give them a game, and we'll stay <laughs> longer." Because at that point, you know, after game three, there would have been a three or four layoff before the next one. So we were all seriously contemplating at shoot around or at practice. Wait, man, what if they just, what if, you know. Yeah, have an off um, night. Statue of limitations anyway, America. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't. We went in and we kicked it. But the, the whole point was Michael Jordan, <laughs> this is one of the funniest stories. I'm, I don't think anybody's heard this. But Michael Jordan spent the whole day from the time that we got there till probably the wee hours of the morning at Hooters hanging out with Michael Irvin, The Rock, <laughs> um, you know, Warren Sapp, all, uh, Alonzo Highsmith, all these great Miami players, and they were all pros at the time, and they were trying to get Michael so messed up that it would give the Miami yeah. Heat a chance to win. And so that's what they did. They spent the whole night. Dan Marino was there, too. They are all just tossing back everything. Boom, 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 boom. And, and Michael was over there all day, and then over the next day on game day, he was over there. And where so, were you? Listen, I was I was taking care of business. I know that doesn't, oh, that doesn't yeah. matter. I was in the hot tub. Oh, okay, yeah. I was in the hot tub because it was hot America. Hot, hot, hot. But anyway, bro, I was really interrupted by Stinger because there's a statute of limitations and he's trying to get me in trouble here. So I'm just going to throw this out there. So, so, so feels like, feels like, uh, hey, has anyone seen Michael? And we said, like, well, last time He's we saw him, last time he was over at Hooters. Because <laughs> I went over to Hooters at lunch and he was still there. I'm like, damn, MJ still here? So, so he, was, he was in the same clothes. I'm like, did he sleep here? So, so then, so he goes, somebody go get Michael. 
And so, but that time, Michael's already back in the hotel and he's already got dressed. And so we're all worried now because MJ, he's been over there all day drinking, having a good time. And there's no way in the world he's going to be in any kind of form to play. Okay. So we're, this is why I say God has a, a speed dial to MJ. I mean, seriously, like he just calls him up and gets that little extra boost. So MJ is the last one on the bus. So he comes on. He's got his dark Ray-Ban sunglasses <laughs> on. He's dressed to a tee and like in a blue suit. I mean, just looking fly. So he's coming on with a cigar. Ah. And he's and he's and he's bopping on the plane. He's like, "How you doing, boys? Are y'all ready tonight? We're gonna get this win." And we're all like looking at him, like, "Okay, now, weren't you the guy that's been at Hooters for almost like a twenty-four hour telethon, and you're ready to play?" And that was the game. He scored like fifty some points, oh, and and he just destroyed Miami. And I was like, "Good God, man! Nobody, I, I promise you, nobody in their right mind would have been able to play the way he played that game." Wow. It was un it was unbelievable for a guy who didn't have any rest probably didn't have any sleep. Wow. And my you should have seen all these guys. I, I, it was a who's who of great Miami Hurricane people. They were just partying and they they, they were even admitted, yeah, we trying to get Michael <laughs> we want him all. We want him. We don't want him to win. We want the Heat to win. And I, and we're all just going like, wow. Hooters. MJ's falling for the yeah. old banana in the tailpipe <laughs> trick here. Like, come on, big I fella, we're trying to win. But then we were thinking, we're thinking ourselves, we're saying like, yeah, that's not a bad idea because if MJ's not playing, that means we get to stay here another week. And while it's snowing in Chicago, <sighs> hey, but it didn't work out that way. It didn't wow. work out that way. We win. We swept them, and we came back to the frigid cold. Yeah, once again, we learned that normal human rules do not apply to no, Michael Jordan. No, because he's not human, America. <laughs> oh, Lord, he's I, not human. I think I just looked it up. 1992, 56 56, points. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, 56 There's points, a play in there. 43 minutes. 43 minutes. And he was probably and pointing sweating, all those legends in and, the crowd. And, and, and sweating. Yeah. And 30 shots. Yes, sweating. I mean, you could just tell, just sweating like, <laughs> profusely. And he, but there was a play. He got Bourbon. a rebound. He got a, he got a rebound with one hand. Went up and got the ball yeah. with one hand. And he faked the pass, you know, faked the pass with one hand. And everybody went and he starts, you know, he starts dribbling down the floor like he's in a minefield going in between Glenn Rice and Steve Smith and and he goes in dunks on Allen Hogg like or, or I think it was Allen Hogg or, or Kessler but he just bams on him. I mean, 94 feet, he was just wheezing through people like a Ferrari against Hyundai's and I'm sitting there like that's when we knew he was, he was on another level. Oh, like man. like we see and and this is a guy now. Remember this guy's probably got about 3% body fat which is like you know, no one can get to. Um, this is a guy who comes to practice and he's always got McDonald's. He's always eating oh. egg McMuffin, sausage, always just eating. Yeah. He eats eggs and steak and eggs before every yeah. game and he's ripped. And you're wondering like, how in the hell can he <laughs> eat all this and, yeah. and, and not be affect him at some point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, steak and egg before a game, that is heavy. Yeah. Like most of us eat like chicken or, or maybe even like some pasta, but earlier in the day. Yeah, right. MJ would like eat it like two, three hours before the game. Ugh. Wow. The legend of Michael Jordan yeah. grows. He's here Give me the hot sauce. He's Episode 45, Woo! which is kind of legend of coconut oh, since he wore 45. His first number in high school. That's why he wore 45 when he yeah, came wore back. playing baseball. Yes. Yeah. Mark. Double yeah. nickel in but, 45, though. But wasn't it the famous game against, was it against the Knicks? The Knicks. When he 45 hit double, double, 23. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, well, we, we're going to have a great guest coming up on episode 45, one of MJ's former teammates as well, Randy Brown, Randy who was part Brown. of the second three-peat. We're looking forward to visiting with Randy, see what he's been up to. And, Randy. You, know, you, Randy. Mentioned, uh, you mentioned Jason Benetti. It's his birthday today. So Happy shout birthday. out to Jason Benetti. We, we hope to have him on the show very soon. He was yes. going to come on a couple of weeks ago, yes. but he had a game conflict, so we're going to try to I get just, Jason. I just talked to him yesterday yeah, about that. Looking ahead to the playoffs. Also want to give a shout out to uh, one of our loyal followers, over in the UK, Sam Blake, Sam. welcome the daughter, his second daughter. He posted something on social oh, media holding yes. his beautiful daughter, and he he tagged us in there. We want to say thank you for watching the show. We want to thank everybody. Episode 44 with John Paxson was our most watched uh, on YouTube, most downloads America, of the podcast. We appreciate it. America, we appreciate we, we, y'all. Yeah, special shout out to you guys because the, the, the channel continues to grow. Um, you know, we haven't been at this very long. But the support that we've had, you know, from everybody has been outstanding. We want to continue to go. So continue to watch, continue to subscribe to all the uh, social media avenues, especially YouTube, because we're really we really have so much fun. I know you if you're listening on podcasts, sometimes you probably spit out your coffee because you're laughing so hard. <laughs> but you really got to see it on YouTube. You got to see how we how we are on YouTube. And I love the awesome. comments because a lot of the comments really hit home for, you know, what Pax did for the Bulls and as a player and. What he said was great. How yeah, a lot of people aside. showed their appreciation they did. for what he and did, I, both as nice. a player and as an executive. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think I think you know when you look back hindsight, you have to appreciate what he's done. You know, you could be mad at a guy, you can be mad at him for for the last few years, but at the same time, and we talked about this on the show, it's like you know sometimes fans get spoiled of success. You know, you you have this high expectations when you won you know six out of eight championships you know we won one they wanted two one two they wanted six you know so you got six out of eight and it set the bar extremely high being a Chicago Bulls player mm -hmm. and a Chicago Bulls fans I mean there's there's a reason why they their brand is so global is because of the winning and the expectations of winning so you know and Pax you look at Pax's record. I mean, you know, Kirk Heinrich coming in the year after Jason Williams goes out. I mean, most teams would have, that would have set most teams back 10 years when you lose that quality of a yeah, point guard. second pick in the draft. second pick of the draft, exactly. So they recovered quickly. He was able to turn it around and, and, and flip some things around and get some players in there. And the core group of his his um, acquisitions were Luol Deng, uh, Ben Gordon, um, Derek Rose, Joakim uh, Noah. Joakim Noah. I mean, Taj Gibson. It, you know, Taj Gibson. I mean, you go down the line, and he's he's hit some home runs. Has he struck out? Did he strike out sometimes? Yes, he did. Did Gar strike out some? Yes, they did. And you're going to do that in the front office sometimes. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, as Stacey YouTube. mentioned, we, we appreciate that. You notice that one of our cast members is not here. Timmy Whispers is away with his father, who's battling a serious illness. We want to dedicate episode 45 to Tim and his dad. Stacey, you know his dad. He's a fighter, and uh, you know just want to send our love and our, our prayers their way. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough time for the Kellys right now because he's the you know he's the main guy. You know he's the, yeah. the king of the household and um, one of the funniest people that you'll ever meet. Just just uh, I mean he's 82 years old. And he looks like he's 52. Yeah. You know, and, and so you know it's hard it's hard to you know believe that he's he's hurting right now and he's sick. Um, so my prayers go out to the Kelly family and, yeah. um, you know, it's, it hurts me because I feel like he's my dad too. So I've known him for a long time. Well, that's your running buddy. 30 so, years yeah, of abuse. Yeah, 30 years of abuse. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, if you listen to Tim, his dad probably gave him more. I just added on to that. I, I just picked the baton up and ran it. But, um, but just a great, great guy. I mean, I mean, you know, he has a love of cars, um, just eccentric taste and some of the things. I mean, I've learned a lot from him over the years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just a great guy. So I, I'm, I, my prayers go out to Tim and his family. 
Yeah, Whispers, we're with you. We hope to have you back real soon. I uh, want to talk about some NBA business before we bring Randy Brown in. The Bulls basically set their roster for training camp. They brought in, I, I got to be careful with this phrase. I was going to say they brought in a couple of Johnsons, but that's probably not the best way to put it. They brought in Alizé Johnson and Stanley Johnson. Johnson couple, and Johnson! A couple of forwards. And, and Alizé, you know, Stacey, a lot of people don't know much about him, but he had a 2020 game, 20.20 rebound game. This is a guy that can jump out of the gym. He's six seven, but they're thinking that he can play some backup four because he's such an explosive leaper. Well, I mean, if you look at what the Bulls roster is is constructed of now, is athlete athletes and long athletes, mm-hmm. guys that are interchangeable parts. Um, they went after defense. I mean, Stanley Johnson, to me, you got to remember, he was a lottery pick. Not Eighth too pick long in later. the draft. He was a lottery pick. And one thing, his reputation in this NBA is he's tough and he can defend. He can defend anybody on the floor. And you can see that AK and Mark, that's one of their areas they wanted to really get, really get strong at is get some guys in here with toughness and defensive mindset. You know, we talked about earlier how it'd be a great guy to get like a Jay Crowder type guys. Well, the Bulls picked up some guys with that type of mentality to come in and, and play. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a competitive training camp. I think guys are going to be put on notice. The best you're going to play. If you want to get in that rotation, you better earn it during training camp. And that's the way you build playoff caliber teams. No one's guaranteed anything. No matter how much money you make, you got to come out here and earn it and you know let it let it ride there was a game late in the season uh when toronto was actively trying to lose to help their draft position that stanley johnson i think had like a 35 point game against the bulls he went off on him yeah he did he did you know and and sometimes mark you know you get this reputation of just being a defensive player and then you know when you do score it's a shock you know the kid was an eighth pick in the draft okay so obviously he can score he just that was never his role in detroit and in toronto that wasn't his role and on this team he's going to be asked to do a lot of things he's going to be asked to score he's going to be asked to play tough defense on guys and and come off the bench and give them a spark so i'm excited about that pick you know i mean i know a lot of people would have wanted the bulls to get bigger you know go out and get a legit guy if they were going to do that it would have kept you know daniel tice you know but i think i think what they've seen with phoenix's past year and what you've seen with golden state you don't have to be overly big you can play small ball and be able to switch on the perimeter defensively mm-hmm. and be versatile. Cleve, I mean, uh, um, Phoenix was that way this year. I mean, when I think when uh, Sarge went out, that hurt him. But they pretty much played small ball the rest right. of the way with the small uh, power forward, and it can be done. Hey, they uh, did go after Paul Millsap, as Pax mentioned last week. Yeah. They made a competitive offer for him. Yeah. But he just decided to jump on Brooklyn hoping well, to get a ring. Yeah, because he's, he doesn't he's have ring one chasing. Yet. He's yeah. ring chasing. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that team's going to be favored coming out of the East, and they should be. Because, I mean, even yeah, last Aldridge, year, we, too. We, we talked about it. You know, I mean, you know, that team last year was two people. Two people were injured. If one of those guys played Harden or Kyrie Irving, it may be a different story for the Milwaukee Bucks. And they're not taking anything away from the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks fans, they earned it, they deserved it, but let's be realistic. Okay, let's call a spade a spade. Okay, they did beat you in, in game six by almost 40. So, yeah. and, that, and that was with, you know, Without a hobbled, yeah. that was a hobbled uh, Kyrie Irving. I mean, he right. went out early and they beat you almost by 40. And then uh, game seven, you were what uh, Kevin Durant 
foot too short, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. or too long, whatever. Too long. Yeah. Too yeah. Long. 18 is, yeah. 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 I mean, and, and he, he single-handedly almost yeah. got them out of that game seven. Yeah. I, I just want to mention Matt Thomas is also yeah. a guy. Yeah. He can shoot the three. It's I a think. non-guaranteed deal, but yeah. he'll come to training camp, and every team could use another three-point shooter. And, and maybe we can save the Ben Simmons talk for Randy Brown because he has He's joined in the, Sriracha the Sriracha waiting room. Waiting room. Yes, let's I'd love yes, to right. get his comments on <clears throat> contemporary player, right? Yeah, right. Ben be great. Simmons. All right. Well. All right, so we're going to take a quick time out here. Coming up next, Randy Brown joins the cast. Randy! Uh, give me the hot Brown. sauce. Episode 45. Give me the hot sauce. Sriracha. Guard, a 6'2", graduate of Chicago Crane High School. Please welcome to Gimme the Hot Sauce, Randy Brown. Randy Brown. <laughs> Randy, welcome to the show. You look If you're watching on YouTube, you see we got five boxes there. We've got an NBA team right here ready to go, okay? You do, you do, Mark. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me, King. How you doing? What's going on, RB? Nothing, brother. Thank you for having me, Mark. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. Hey, let's looking, forward, looking forward to having some fun, man. Yeah, tell the folks what you're up to these days. Getting old. <laughs> getting old <laughs> doing that. I'm getting old, but I'm still um, I still got a little wisdom left. Um, while while I haven't been working, I got a chance to um, sit down and didn't realize how close I was to finishing my degree, and found out I only needed 12 hours. Uh, I'm sorry, 12 classes to complete my degree and. I sat down in my office, man, and um, took three classes per semester and finally graduated from New Mexico hey, State. Congratulations. That takes perseverance when you get older to go back into the books and do all that work. Mark, 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 you have, you have no idea how difficult it was. I had, to, I had to discipline myself as a student again. And, you know, I had to get in there and, um, and chat with the, with the classmates who, at one point, I even reached out to one of my professors. I was like, you know what, can I just you know, not even put my face on class. And he was like, no, I need you for this class. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got, so, I got, so I got attacked by some millennials in, in class, but uh, it, it, it taught me, it, it taught me to have some tough skin, brother. So, so it's not like I'm when you're in college, to... when uh, people are writing your papers for you. Well, that's not called for. Yeah, that's not called for. That's a, well, that's a Mike Tyson. That's a Mike Tyson uh, hit below the belt. Yeah. I'm just interfering right now. Yeah. I'm in, I'm interjecting right now. That was uncalled <laughs> for by Mark Chanowski. That's what you might as well just bite his ear next time, Mark. Go ahead and bite his ear, low ball, like like Tyson did Holyfield, because <laughs> yeah. that was uncalled for. Randy Brown the message, is a student. The message was understood. Yes, Randy Brown. Let me tell you something. We were both students. We were both. We were both. I was a journalism uh, journalism major, and uh, yeah. I just want to say that I could teach a class. I'm I'm on the verge of teaching a class at DePaul at some point. Wow. So I just want to throw that out to Mark since he wanted to try to underhand <laughs> an uppercut to you. I just want him to let you know that, that Randy Brown, Randy Brown <laughs> is a smart individual. Maybe you should play the Oklahoma fight song. We're just getting oh, kind yeah. of thick in here. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Hey, boomer. Hey, hey, haters everywhere. Haters everywhere. I just, they're, they're I, just, around I, just learned, I just learned that at the age of 53, there is a letter grade that's called an A. Oh, hey, yeah. How about that? Yeah. Very nice. nice. Yeah. Like I'm, 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 like so, I'm happy for you, Randy. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Okay, hey. I, I, went, I went so long talking to, um, doing speaking engagements to kids, talking about get your education, and I didn't even have my degree. 
Yeah. You know, so I can story. I can personally talk to kids about persevering through getting a college degree, man. It was it, it was tough, um, but I made it fun. I had some really good classes and I had all the time in the world. You know, I did everything right on, online from my home and um, I, I was I was able to knock it out. So I finally finished this summer and I'm um, waiting for my diploma in the mail. Well, that's great. That's awesome. Congratulations. You know, we do the show every week and, and I'm often surprised that Stacy brings out a story we haven't heard before. And he told us a great Uh-oh. MJ story during the first three-peat where he was out partying Uh-oh. the whole night before the game three of an opening round series. And then he dropped 56 uh-huh. on the heat when, with a severe hangover. You got, you got any MJ sh- stories you want to share from the second three-peat? I think I think Mark, I got a I got a ton of them, but I think I, I got I got tons of them, and 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 they're all they're all positive in, in a way. Um, but I just remember um, th- this one particular time I had a, you know, back in the day I, I had a broken big toe. I mean, this, you know, everybody wanted to call it a sprain. That thing was messed up. And this was one particular time I, I go into the Birdo Center. You know, I, I got my flip flops on. I'm thinking I'm just going to sit there with a cup of coffee and thinking I'm not going to practice. And who did I run into? It was MJ. And he was like, um, so what's going on? I was like, well, <laughs> I think my toe is broken. He was like, all right, well, Take you're going to practice, right? I was like, huh? <laughs> so I remember it like yesterday, Chip Shaver cut a hole. I was wearing Jordans at the time. He cut a hole in my Jordan shoe so I could have some support, some relief for my toe. They taped it up, and I went out and practiced with a hole in a Jordan shoe. So wow. MJ made me practice and then was upset that I cut a hole in his shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Can't devalue the merchandise. Oh, man. That's, that's a good awesome. one. <laughs> at, least, at least I got through the hour practice, man. But that that was the uh, impact that uh, my guy had on me. And that's one of the things I learned from him when I became a bull that I didn't realize that these guys practice, man. Yeah. Practice, yeah. practice was a real, real thing by the time I got to the pools. <laughs> yeah, well, King knows. Back yeah. in the nineties, if you if you if something's hurt, you know, you you take a day off the next day to get ready for the game. But by the time I got to the pools, there was no such thing as sitting out of practice. Nope. Yeah. I, I I wasn't prepared for that. I think that's why my first year with the Bulls in '95-'96, I kind of kind of struggled a little bit with getting on the same playing field as those guys. And I had to learn how to practice all over again. And we'll talk about that triangle offense a little bit later. So that kind of slowed my process. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's telling the truth there about the practice yeah. thing. I mean, listen, I, I saw Bill Carwright, uh, you know, have knee surgery and John Paxson have knee surgery on, on a couple of Monday and they were playing in the game on Wednesday. Incredible. I mean, scoped. And, yeah. and, I, and I, that's when I knew, like, I could never come to practice as a young player talking about my back hurt yeah. or my toenail yeah. hurt. I could never do that. They, they put Michael and Starson Top. It wasn't a conversation. Yeah, it, it, wasn't wow. a, it wasn't a conversation. If something was hurt, don't walk through that Birdo door. No. Do not, no. Do not come in and say, I'm not going to go today. It's just, it just wasn't a conversation at all. I mean, if you only, only thing they would, would exclude you if you had, like, a temperature of, like, 103, that would be different. But, like, any kind of muscular or anything like that, and even then, they'd say, take Tylenol. They get his temperature now, take Tylenol. Yeah. You know, like, you know. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, think, I think, Kenny, the only thing probably would have said was if an ambulance would have rolled us into the Birdo Center was like, this guy cannot practice. Yes, yes. (laughs) But he's not lying, though. When when your number one guy is your hardest worker, this is what this league doesn't understand. 
and these young exactly. kids don't understand. And you see it, especially with the teams that are not winning. If your number one guy is not your hardest worker, your number two guy is not your hardest worker, then how do you expect everybody else to fall in line? And that was always the yeah. case with, with Michael and Scotty. They were yeah. always the hardest workers, and it forced everyone else to keep up. And then when you Absolutely. see an, an older Bill Cartwright, 32, 33 years old, out there running suicide in the 17s, and here I am like a 22, 23. <laughs> if I even went out there and told me my foot hurt, man, I, I, don't even want to, I don't even know what would have happened. I wouldn't have been there very long. Yeah. Believe that. What happened, brother? Happened, brother. That, that, that's a, that was a real, real thing. The minute I put on that jersey, I, I didn't know that was such a thing. I thought that was always a – you know, a day off for a guy playing 35 minutes. And here you got Michael, you know, just played a whole full quarter and so did Scotty. And I get there and those guys are taping their ankles, getting ready for the next morning. So it, it, it was a shock to my system. And it was, it, it taught me, um, it taught me how to prepare for practice. It taught me um, about my eating habits, you know, and, and before you knew it, man, practice became my games. You know, practice became really serious to me. It was, it was, that was an opportunity for me to get, you know, on that United Center floor, which was a goal of mine. You know, Randy, one of the uh, the big television events of 2020 was The Last Dance, the 10-part documentary yeah. series, and, and you lived it. Yeah. Obviously, that, that was Michael's perspective on, on, the mm -hmm. champion, on that second three-peat run. As being a part of that team, what were your reactions to it? Did, did you feel like Michael was almost glorified to, to a new level, or do you think it was pretty accurate for the most part? Well, well, you, you guys, will, you know, throughout the show, you guys will probably pick up on this, that I don't have an ego at all. And I think that's why I persevered through 25 years of the NBA business. And going in, knew it was going to be about Michael. It's understandable. Um, but I, I also know that that last dance was a real stressful season. If it was stressful for me, just imagine what Michael and Scotty, Dennis Rodman, and Tony Kukos went through. So... I, as much as I was a fan of watching the last dance, I wish it would have been um, some of my other teammates had an opportunity to tell that side of the story. I'm pretty sure Luke Longley has a story that he wanted to tell. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Ron Harper uh, had a story that he wanted to tell. Yeah. Um, so I can go down the line. Uh, like I said, I was a fan watching that thing, man. But um, as I, I think Stacey King, you know, being on those early, those early, those three championship teams, that was the first dance. Yep. You know, going on and on that, you know, I was lucky being a Chicago kid, putting on a Bulls uniform, being a part of the last dance of those Bulls championship teams, man. Well, people have taken a lot of stuff away from me. That won't be taken away from me. Yeah. When you when you look at the last season and that last championship yeah. year and you did you know going into that last season, Randy, that that was it, that it was going to be the last hurrah for the Bulls? No. No, no, King. I, I wasn't I wasn't privy to any of the um, conversations that might have happened between Jerry Cross and Phil Jackson. And I did know that Phil Jackson was wasn't healthy. We we knew that he was going to have hip surgery, but I didn't know going into the season that that would be the last dance, even though that's what we were calling it. And, you know, the, the 70 the 95, 95, 96 uh, team won 72 games. The 97 team won 69, and the last dance team won 62 games. And it was it was it was a tough season. As you can see, we, we finally got stressed to a seven-game series against the Pacers and were able to win it. But in the back of my mind, my back of my mind, King, I was this naive kid. I was like, there's no way they're gonna break up a championship team. And I think because of the strike season, which was the final season 
it gave a little bit more time for them to get that thing rolling for that team to be broken up. Um, as old as people want to say we were, I, I still feel that we weren't given the opportunity to defend that crown because we easily could have won 35 games in a 50-game season and try to win another one. So to answer your question, King, I had no idea. I knew there was talk, but there's always talk, right? I just figured at some point, you know, we keep this thing going. And, you know, and to that day it happened. It happened kind of fast and it was no more. What a lot of people forget is that, well, the big names from that team left – Randy and a couple yeah. of the other guys hung around. And I, Randy, I'll never yeah, forget this. Yeah. The, the first couple of games they were going, and now you're world champion Chicago Bulls, and they're introducing Cornell David. And then, <laughs> and then finally, somebody in the organization said, you know what, let's not say you're world champion Chicago. They just stopped. They just stopped. They said, I mean, that, that had to be tough for you and Tony and Bill Wennington, and I think Harp was there the first year. I mean, Harp, Harp you're, you're looking there. around going, wait a minute. Where's Superman? I mean, what's going on here? But, but Mark, Mark, even even though that 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 theme song is going to be forever, the thing about it, what about the opponent that we were looking for that yeah. heard all that? We were yeah. like, oh god. <laughs> I look, I look over, I look over. We got the New York Knicks listening to that music too. Like, okay, <laughs> payback's a bitch, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you don't have black Superman in there, brother. <laughs> That, that. So, yes, that was that was that was a uh, again strike season. I remember God, Tim Floyd. Oh, he was lost, was man. <laughs> the first day of practice, we didn't even have no players to practice. Yeah, wow. Oh. We we had we had to go fire sale and get enough players just to fill out the roster. So you're right. The only people we left was myself, Ron Harper, Tony Kukoc, and Dickie Simpkins was there. They brought in and Brent Berry, and we signed Brent Berry. Yeah, and we 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 put together. Mark Bryant, man, but Mark Bryant is actually yeah. the 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 per diem taker. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that that thing, that thing song, Mark, that thing song got us in trouble. Man. <laughs> <laughs> man. So how, how many games did y'all win that year? Thirteen, I think. Huh? Mark, thank you. Thirteen, and and you, I I know for sure we were playing the Miami Heat. And I believe we lost by 55 points. Oh. Wow. Or, or, or we scored 50. Scored 49. Points. That's still an NBA record. It was, the, it, it, yeah. it, it was the most disappointing game. I had to go through that tunnel. I was like, how am I going to walk through this tunnel and face these fans? I, I remember wow. it like yesterday. The Miami Heat put it on us, man. From that music, Mark. Yeah. So the music started that whole beat down. So so basically, they, that was that was the payback tour. That that all the times <laughs> that you you basically were getting paid, you were getting paid back for all the winning that yeah. the Bulls had done and all the beatings that you guys put on people. Yeah. Yeah. It was payback. First time. quarter was, that was twenty three to that eight. Was, that was that was it was wow. <laughs> that was that was most. Um, of course, I didn't do many, very many interviews when Michael and Scotty and Dennis were there, but once they left. I was leaning on to do a lot of these interviews and that was the topic. Are these payback games from these teams? I'm like, you know what? Now that King say that, that was a payback season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a payback. Just think about how many times where wow. we walk into these arenas and, you know, we took over these arenas and these in these teams fans and now they get a chance to come into United Center, which we still had 25,000 fans. We still sold out that place. Yeah. And those teams walked into United and it was like, you can turn that music off. Those bulls not running. 
Yeah, that, that's that's funny you say that because when I when I got traded to to Minnesota uh, and, and they brought Luke over for the second, uh, you know, to the second three peep. I remember playing Houston and uh, the Dream and, and Clyde Drexler, and I had like I had like twenty eight points and like twelve rebounds, and we got we we're getting beat by about thirty. And then they yeah. they you know then Sam Cassell and them was like, yeah, you ain't got Black Jesus tonight. Uh, you went from the penthouse to the outhouse, and and I was just like I was like and and I really for the first time in my life because I, I really pushed for that trade because I wanted more playing time. I wanted to show yeah. that I was a starter yeah. in this league and that was the first time in my life that I realized I made a huge mistake. If I could go back, <laughs> seriously, if I could go back and change that and that's why I tell kids all the time, the grass is not always greener on the other side. You know, and I found that out leaving going from an organization that is like, that was like first class professionalism yeah. To go into a team, it was basically an expansion team, a little bit older than an expansion team, mm -hmm. yeah. and it was so a disarray. I mean, I, my yeah. first day there, Randy, just like when you when the championship year is over and you didn't have enough to practice, I get there. Sidney Lowe says, "Hey, Stacey, we're gonna have a shoot around." We're going to uh, walk through the place so you can play tonight. I'm like, cool. I'm like, yeah, let's go. I want to get out there and drop some numbers on people. So I get out there, Randy. We had like four people in the in the gym to walk through. None of the players were there. <laughs> they said it was an optional shoot around. No, it wasn't. Oh, they didn't come. And so, so, so Randy, let me word. tell you what they did. So we were practicing in the health club. So I, we, they went upstairs and got a lady off a treadmill. They got a dude who was rehabbing an ankle. He had a cast on. They asked him to walk in, and, and we went, we need you to play Clyde Drexler with a cast on. And we had the equipment manager out there and then and then the laundry guy. How many so points we, you get beat by uh, that uh, night? Uh, we got killed. But the fact that we didn't have enough to practice. Yeah, Mike, you remember bad. Mike Brown, the brown bear? So Mike Brown was there. Tell us Frank was there. And they said, hey, get used to this, Stacey. Like, this is how it always, these guys come to practice when they want to come to practice. Oh, I was man. like, oh, that's what I realized right then and there. I made a huge mistake. <laughs> I should have stayed my ass in Chicago and waited until MJ stopped chasing curveballs and went and stayed and got me three more rings. Three more? You would have three more. Oh, Lord. I signed with the Bulls in the summer of 95 as a free agent. My first time I was, I was given the opportunity to be a free agent. And I got criticized for signing with the Bulls. They were like, look, you 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 leaving the Sacramento Kings where you're a part-time starter, you playing a lot of minutes to go into the Bulls where you're not gonna play at all. And I never once thought about the aspect of my playing time is gonna be cut short. I was only I was thinking about the opportunity that a West Side kid got an opportunity to put it on a Bulls uniform. And That's I awesome. didn't, I put my ego aside just like all my other teammates did, because we were, we had a quite a few role players on that team. And I never once thought about the aspect of, you know what, I'm not going to be playing as much. I was thinking about, hey, this could be a great opportunity for me to play right in my backyard. And, you know, I looked up on three championships. So I understand, man. The, gra the, the grass is not always green on the other side. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Matter of fact, it was no grass. It was cement. That's what it looked like when I was on the other side. Cracked sidewalks. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was terrible, man. It was terrible. So, so, so your impression coming home, a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people talk about the pressure of being at home yeah. and with the family and the friends yeah. and everybody. Did you feel any of that when you came back to play for this team? I, I can, I, I did. And, um, that's why I think I was so helpful to, um, to Derrick Rose who followed me, uh, being a Chicago kid, just like a few, um, before myself, uh, Craig Hodges, uh, Darrell Walker before me. Rod Higgins also played for the Bulls. And I felt the pressure, um, King, of um, performing in front of my 
brothers and sisters and my parents and my friends. Um, they, of course, your family's always going to be behind you. They want to see you play 20 minutes a game and score 20 points a minute. And that wasn't, that wasn't my game. So yeah, there was some pressure with me doing that. And I, I, I took that because I never ran from pressure, man. I, I never, I never run from hard conversations, difficult conversations. And I took that opportunity, man, to um, bring my family along. You know, it, not only was it a good time for me, it was a great time for my family as well. Um, the only the only negative that came out of that king is the twenty four tickets I went through per game. Mm. Oh my god, brother! <laughs> <laughs> brother I, I, the Bulls only gave us four tickets, and I ended up spending money on twenty more. And wow. the other wow. when I needed four more, I knew Black Jesus had the other four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was a ticket man. So, <laughs> man, so there was so King. Yes, there was some pressure, man, of always performing in front of my brothers and sisters and my parents and my wife and my kids and my peers and stuff like that because you always wanted to do well. And um, once you didn't play well, you know you you just always know you're gonna have that you know that tough love from your family. So there was a lot of pressure, man. But I. I hopefully, you know, if the Bulls fans are listening and watching that I, I took it in stride. You know, Randy, uh, after you left the uh, Bulls organization, finished your playing career, you came back. The Reinsdorfs brought yeah. you back. You spent time working yeah. in the front office. You were an assistant coach for yeah. a while. Uh, reflecting on that experience, I'm, I'm sure you owe yeah. a debt of gratitude to the, to the Reinsdorfs, but was, oh. that, was that difficult for you to try to find your niche going I mean, from the front what? office you know, to coaching? Yeah. Mark, Mark, that's a great question, man, and, and, and that's a great question because this, the, this is the reason why I'm at now, because the Bulls and, and Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf and along with John Paxton Gar, they gave me a lot of rope, man, and I earned everything I ever got, you know, from, from a player to a coach to a front office member. I was never given anything. I've earned everything I got, but the Bulls gave me a lot of rope when I was wet behind the ears, man. I... I didn't know if I wanted to be a coach. I had just came from coaching with the Sacramento Kings and right away I was thrown into the front office with the Bulls. I didn't know what the job uh, detail was. I, I, I didn't know what my role was gonna be. And so I reached out to a lot of people in the NBA about what's the role of a player development person. And I found myself learning the job on the fly because I learned it was stuff that I needed when I was a young player that I didn't have. I, it was it's a veteran voice a person that's been around the block and this is my hometown, you know? So yes, Jerry Ryan's up and Michael, man, they've, they've always been great to me. And like I said, John and Gar gave me a lot of opportunities to grow. And without them, man, I, I wouldn't have the success of, you know, being a front office member, but I, I never found out if I was going to be a really good coach or a really good assistant GM, because I was always torn right in the middle of what I should do. But at the same time, you know, I was given that opportunity because everybody knew I was a hard worker and it was genuine. So when you when you look at being the player development coach and, and yes. we all know, I know what that entails, but our listeners may not yeah. know what that is. So give them, a, give them a little bit of taste of what your role is as a player development and, and what mm -hmm. exactly you what you do on a day to day basis with these young players. Yeah. Um, a player development member, King, is, you know, back in the 90s, there was no such thing. You know, yeah. I was a 20 year old kid. I walk in this locker room with all these veteran players. Nobody told me how to um, save my money. Nobody told me how to eat right or do anything. And so when I became um, with, with the Bulls with player development, I, I got a chance to, to 
to start off on my own platform. You know, I wasn't given um, uh, a detailed book of what I can and cannot do. But the one thing I wanted to do was to stay away from coaching. I was part of the front office. I, did, I didn't want to get in the way of coaching. That wasn't my job. Um, it wasn't my job to interfere with the players as far as, as far as playing time and stuff like that. I figured a person that's from Chicago, that I had a strong voice. If I can get the player to clear his mind for three hours to play a basketball game, then I think I've done my job from my seat. Again, I didn't want to coach. I wasn't a coach. And John and Gar, like I said, they gave me a lot of rope. And if John and Gar are going to see this, they probably don't even know half of the stuff that I did for my players. And I did that because of the stuff that wasn't done for me. And I wanted to make sure that um, the players had every resource that they needed so they can play a basketball game. And I think that, that a part of being a player development guy, I was perfect for it. This is my hometown. I knew, I knew the car dealerships, I knew the realtors. So anything I can do to make sure my players aren't getting cheated was, was my number one um, goal. And the, and the other thing is I can be a sounding board from, for these guys. And, and it had nothing to do with coaching. And, and I can say this as a person being 53 years old today, if I, if I pissed anybody off about that, I'm sorry. I never, I never got in the way of coaching because I knew that wasn't my job. Gar and John never allowed me to touch such a place. And I gained, I'm, I'm, I'm real good at mending and building relationships and the players saw me for that, only that. I, I it, it wasn't my job to be a coach and I wanted to help those guys away from the basketball court. King, and you know this, my focus was, what am I going to do or what are these players going to do for 28 hours out of the day? Because we're only going to see them for three or four hours out of the day. What about the other 20 hours? So the homeboy was important to me. I wanted to know each guy's homeboy because that's the person that's going to be with my players for 20 hours out of the day. So that was my focus. If I get to the homeboy, my player, I know is in a safe place because I put the pressure on the homeboy and say, hey, you're going to be hanging with my guy for 20 hours out of the day. You got to make sure he's doing the right stuff. And I tried to do that professionally. I tried to do it the right way. And I think I did because even today, man, I still get a lot of players that understood the stuff that I did behind the scenes that I wasn't looking for a pat on the back for. Hey, RB, take us as a player development the day. Yeah. I mean, it was a bizarre night. Yeah. We've talked about it with Nick Friedel. I remember being there as a producer and just not understanding uh -huh. when Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade came out of the locker room and kind of said what they said about not being coached hard enough and practice hard uh -huh. enough. And, you know, I've always been a Rondo supporter. I'm not going to get into what I saw Rondo yeah. from, but take us through as a player development coach, what you saw, how you kind of dealt with it, you know, for our viewers and what you thought yeah. of the whole situation. And John, John, that's, and, and, and player development is comes from two different angles. There's a player development coach that's on a basketball court and there's a player development, which I was part of the front office. And a front office member should never have the, anything to do with the basketball game itself. From a, from a player development on the court, my, my job always was to get the players to practice early, make sure they're not late. Um, if something is going on with their family, I, should, I would want to know about it before they even in the building because maybe there's a time where we don't jump on this player because something personal just happened in their lives. We don't even know that stuff. So it was important that you never know what happened. A kid can have an accident that's not going to be at practice. So that was my main focus, make sure the players get to practice early, 
to make sure they all practice and make sure they all professional. And my my particular man was everybody treat everybody the same as teammates. And that that I think that's why I excelled uh, away from the game. Man, I did I did stuff that, like I said, Garn John probably don't even know. And I was put under the gun for it. I didn't call Garn John and say, hey, should I take care of this? And I'll give you an example. I had one player um, we signed. He he wasn't, of course, living in Chicago. And he had this, he got his his house and he wanted me to go get his keys to his home because he wasn't there yet. So I went and got his keys, uh, met him at the airport. Again, picked this kid up from the airport, took him to his house with his keys. And as I'm sitting there, I can hear him and his wife are like seriously crying. And I'm like, oh God, what's going on? Come to find out, they came to Chicago with nothing, with no furniture, with no towels, with nothing. So what do I do as a person? Like, God, I didn't have this back in the 90s, so what do I do? I jump in my car with this family and go to Target and take them shopping. I didn't call Gar and John and say, hey, should I do this? It was an instinct of mine that this kid needed some direction and he needed some help. And that's, that's what I get the pleasure of. If I can help a kid in that way, and to this day, this kid and I laugh about that all the time. He's like, do you remember when we went to Target? I'm like, yeah, I remember the 10 grand you spent in Target. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a- yeah. So, so Mark, so I'm sorry. So John, that, that's a great question. There's two different angles from the player development standpoint. And I got a chance to experience both on the fly. And I just, I just use, you know, the stuff that I learned over the years, man, to get back to the younger guys. Yeah, unfortunately, because you had worked in the front office and then went down to the coaching yeah. staff, there were rumors mm-hmm. out there that you were reporting back to Pax and, and Gar what was going on inside the locker. You want to clear that up for our audience? Mark, Mark, my stomach hurts every time I hear it uh, because the people that know me know it's not true. And even when um, the story was written, I was thrown back for it. I was thrown back because I had no idea where it was coming from because I've never had an issue with a player. My, my, my job as a coach wasn't to um, get any information from my player to get back to Gar and John. Gar and John wouldn't respect me for that for one. And that was nothing to play, that I wanted to know from the players to get back to those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that, that that was nothing going on in the locker room where I can say, you know what, I'm going to take this back to Gar and John to see if I can get a raise, or I can keep my job. No, that that never it, it never ever happened. And I can 100 to say I've never had a situation where Gar and John even came to me and said, Hey, Randy, what's going on in your locker room? It they just didn't work that way. I. I remember it was on a Sunday night when Fred Hoiberg called me. I was the assistant GM at the time. And I'm sitting on my couch and Fred Hoiberg calls me. And I helped him, I helped Fred put his staff together at the time. And he um he lost the coach right before training camp. And he came and he called me. He was like, Hey, would you want to fill this spot for me? I was like, No, I, <laughs> no, it's not in the plans. Mark, yes. I laughed about it. And Fred was my teammate with the Bulls. A lot of people yeah. don't know that. Fred and I, Fred Hoiberg and I are real good friends. So when he asked me this, I turned it down for a week until finally one day I said, you know what, Fred, I'll do it for a year. Well, that year turned out to be four years. Gar, Gar, and, John, I, Gar and John never said, hey, Randy, I want you to do this. I think it'd be great for you. Never, ever happened. It was, it was Fred and I having a conversation and I finally was like, you know what, let me go to coaching again. And I thought it was only going to be for one year, Mark, and it ended up being for four years. And I kind of 
what you said, Mark, I lost my niche again because here I am, I was on the verge of being a general manager. That was tossed about me running my own team and I broke that chain. I broke that chain and went to coaching and years later when I wanted to go back in the front office, the opportunity wasn't there. So Mark, 100%, I'm sorry. Anybody can call me out on it. Never happened that a player told me something that I went and shared that with front office member. It just doesn't happen. I've, I've lived in too many locker rooms. I've well, lived in locker rooms. And, and, one of the, and, and one of the things, Randy, is, is that yeah. you're a former player and yeah. you know the code of ethics. Well, it's, what goes on in the locker room stays in the locker room. You, you were in one of the most powerful locker rooms oh. ever, <laughs> ever, yeah. with all kind of media, with hundreds of droves of media coming in that Bulls locker room during that, that, wow. that second three-peat. And wow. we always kept... You know, Phil always kept a tight lid on everything that went behind that. And we knew as players never yeah. do that. And then when we go off on our own, that's a code mm -hmm. that stays with you forever. Yeah. And yeah. I think where the misconception was, was just because the fact that you you were in the front office then you came down as a, you know, as a coach. And then right. it looked like to not players, but to certain media guys who we will not Absolutely. name, we will not Absolutely. give them the benefit of the doubt that started that rumor and it was unfair and it put you in an unfair situation. It was wrong. And trust me, yeah. I, 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 if it was me, I'd have sued because it was defamation of character. It was a character assassination. And it was a situation of saying, Hey, look, a lot of people did not know what was going on. They got a glimpse of it right. when, when, with the Dwayne Wade and the Jimmy Butler situation came out and people started saying, Whoa, this is a little bit more uglier than we thought. And right. there's things starting to bubble out behind the scenes. And as you know, we in, in this organization, we keep everything close to the vest. We don't tell the media anything. I mean, we're around it. I see things every day. You right. see things every day. We don't go to the media and, and tell everything that we see. It's not our place. So right. when I when I heard that, I was I was really, really disappointed in, in the guy who wrote the article. And uh, uh -huh. because he, you know, he basically just came out and just made it look like it was you and it was wrong. And it was, in my opinion, it was a character assassination, which he should, he should have had to pay for that. It, it, you know what, King, it, it, um, it, it hurt me in a lot of ways. Um, because like I said, a lot of people that know me um, probably is like, you know what, this is some BS. It's not true. But a lot of people that don't know me probably looking at the things like, you know what, he's breaking that code of being in that locker room. And you're right, King. I play. I play with some powerful people, some powerful people that are still in this business. And I learned. I I I understood the the power, the sacred of being in a locker room. Even after a two-hour practice, we sat in a, in the locker room for four, for five six hours, just talking about nothing. And so I understood the the principle of being sacred in that locker room. But not one time, King. Did I do an interview about how I got to the Bulls coaching staff? Nobody knows that. Everybody thought that Gar and John did this. It was Fred's idea, and I agreed to it. I didn't have to. I could have told Fred, no, I'm not coaching. I'm staying where I am because I had a great job at the time. I didn't do it for the money. Uh, I, I would have been making this uh, more, probably more money being assistant GM. I decided to go to coaching to help a friend and be a team player, which I've always been. And that, that King... It, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie, it hurt me to the fact that people were looking at me as being that, that S word. That's a strong word, man, to call somebody an S word. I've been called a lot of stuff as a player. I've never been called that S word and it hurt. And it hurt. And I, the, 
I was, and, and I said, um, I said again, I'm very lucky, brother. I've been a coach, player, assistant GM with the Chicago Bulls. I've been very lucky, and nothing's ever been given to me. I've worked my way to everything I've got, and that right there came was, it, it, it showed me like, Randy, okay, you've been talking about you being this tough person. Are you going to stand up for yourself? And I did. And I did because I still stand by that. There's not There's never been a situation, brother, where I've been deceitful, deceitful to one of my guys because I was even, King and Mark, I know this is a long answer. I'll leave it with this with you guys. I was even criticized as a coach for being too pro player. As a coach, 99% of the time I, I agreed and sided with my players. I got criticized for that. So when there was a situation where a player was going to be reprimanded for anything, I always played devil's advocate. So it kind of hurt that it kind of turned opposite for me when I was guard, Pax's eyes and ears. That's I think I deserve a little bit more credit than that. I agree. And, and I think a lot of it because of the disdain that, you know, fans had for the front office during that time. I mean, yeah. you know, I think that also fueled it like, yeah, that sounds like something yep. they would do. Yep. And and they just kind of ran with it. And then when you see it in print, because a writer yeah. prints that, that just that just kind of fans the flames for people to yeah. get their frustration. Yeah, that sounds something God could see Gar Foreman yeah. and Gar and Pax doing that. And, and I know they would never do that. I know you would never sell yourself yeah, out there to do this. So, I mean, and it hurt me. Like I, we had Pax on last week and, and one of the things being former teammates and friends with you guys, it's, it hurts you to see you guys be attacked because our natural reaction as a brother, as, as a brother, if my brother was being attacked, I'm going to fight with them. You know what I'm saying? So that's how we all are in our family of players that, that, that's been in this organization. When one gets attacked, we all get attacked. You know, yeah. and you guys have thick skin because you know when you take this position, you have to have, you got to take the higher road. You can't, Pac said the same thing. You got to have thick skin. You know, you can't get involved in all that. But see, I, I got thin skin. Yeah, do. I do. I got thin you skin do. when it comes to this I kind of stuff. And it, it's very too. frustrating. Do <laughs> he does. So I'm mad for you. I get to say what you want to say. King, you brought up a great point, brother. And I'm telling you, I never even thought about what you just said. It, 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 a, a guy a guy that has nothing to do with the Chicago Bulls is probably looking at that like, look, Gar and John plays Randy Brown on Fred Horbury's staff. Yep. I, I, I now sit back thinking about that. I can really see that. But for the people that's listening, never happened. Fred Horbury, my personal friend, my old teammate, called me and said, hey, Randy, here's the opportunity for you. Do you want it? And for a week, I said no. Do you, do you, we have this argument all the time about Derek because mm -hmm. you know I me, mean, I'm the biggest D Rose fan. And yeah. the the argument that I hear a lot of people talk, they say, you know, they say he's not a Hall of Famer. And, I, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, because remember when he first came in the league, everybody said he's not a traditional point guard. He needs yeah. to learn how to get his teammates involved. La, 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 yeah. la. Okay. And now he's a traditional point guard. He, he's, he's, he's the guard that everybody wanted him to be. And now they're saying, well, he's, he's not as good as he used to be. And it's like, okay, what do you want from the kid? I mean, he battled back from two major devastating injuries to put himself in position except coming off the bench where we know he's still yeah. a starter in this league. And he didn't have an ego. It's where you want me to play, how many minutes you want me to play. And he has proven over the last four or five years that he is still one of the top point guards in this league. And I think when his career is done, if he continues to play and avoid injury, he will be a Hall of Famer. King, this this kid, this kid has 
a collective bargaining position named under his name. Yes. He, cha- he, he changed the collective bargaining agreement because he became rookie at such a young age. I'm sorry, he became the MVP at, uh, at such a young age. He, cha- he changed the game. So to, to say, oh, he's not a real point guard and everybody's looking for this prototype point guard, it was, it was kind of, I was kind of thrown back from it because everybody's looking for that point guard. Derrick Rose is right now. That scoring yes. point guard. Yes. Who 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 can score and get his teammates involved. And he's shown that. He's shown that he's capable of coming off the bench. And he knows it, that I'm happy for him that he's able to change his game and retool his mindset to put his game on, on, on that pedestal again. So a, a lot of people I understand criticize D Rose for not coming back from an awful, uh, ugly injury. And the only thing I was thinking that this kid mentally is not ready to come back after this rehab an acl tear in may not going to get you ready in november it's not it just doesn't happen i don't i don't care how much science or doctors you can put on it this is this kid first injury and then he went through another injury new another knee injury that set him back again so mentally like i said a lot of people would have shut it down man this kid this kid this kid man is going to write his own story when he's done and and you're right absolutely I don't understand how he cannot be a Hall of Famer. I don't understand how he cannot. This kid, this kid has retooled his game, and he's put he's put his he put, he's put himself in the position where he came off the bench and everybody wanted him to be a starter again. That's how good this kid was. Randy, you've been super generous with your time. Uh, congratulations on on getting that degree. And and before Thank we you. let you go, what's next? Do you yeah. want to get back in the NBA as a coach or an executive, or what are your goals? Mark, Mark, I, I, um, for the last two years, I, I did it to myself. I, I, I've been working without an agent and King knows this. Yeah. I've been working without an agent and I've been making phone calls to people in the business that I'm personal relationship with. And I can get in one door, but I couldn't get in a second. And I was going after front office positions because that's my passion. I love evaluating talent. And I finally hired an agent. Uh, this summer and my agent was like hey randy i'm getting calls about you coaching again and i'm like here we go again (laughs) exactly yeah and i I did and i did it to myself but i also take that as as an uh acknowledge that the fact that i've been places where a lot of people haven't i've coached i've been part of player development i've been assistant gym i've done a lot of stuff that people haven't done and so I, I got to take some pride in that because of the hard work I've done. So, yes, I'm, I'm done with school. Uh, my wife is absolutely tired of me. I'm ready to get back to work, Mark, because I think uh, I feel like I got a lot I can share in a front office seat. Um, I, I know how to build relationships. Uh, watching the game and evaluating talent, I can do that with my eyes closed. That's nothing. And I don't want, I don't think I'm deserving of an opportunity. I don't think anybody, I, I never look for a handout, but my 25 years of service brother is going to get me back in there. And my agent is going to say, Randy, you can't turn out a coaching job. My, my passion has always been front office. Yeah. I, I, I want to imp- impact somebody's organization from evaluating talent. And I, I learned that from Gar and John Paxson. Well, Randy, we wish you the best of luck in getting back into the league. We enjoyed watching you, you as a player, and you know we're, we're just wishing the best for you as you 
venture on into your next NBA opportunity. And in honor of Thank your degree you. from Mexico Thank State, the Aggies, I'm going to play your fight uh -oh. song to break. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we All go. All right. We aim to please, baby. And, uh, give me the hot sauce, baby. Give me a key. Susan, thank you. Susan, thank you, Keith. Thank you. Hey, good seeing you all, people. You are absolutely crazy. How about that? The Aggies fight song. I'm not getting too hyped about that right now. I, I need a sooner fight song. Hey, hey, we're doing too much. We're doing too much. John, thank you. John. We're doing too much. Okay. Thank you. We, Mark, we try to please our guests, but you're doing too much. Hey, we're coming back with more Gimme the Hot Sauce, episode 45. Brandon Brown. That boy can say. Give me that hot sauce. Now there's a fight song. I tell you what, we love Randy Brown. He was a fantastic guest. We hope you enjoyed the interview, but the uh, New Mexico State Aggies fight song didn't do much for us. There's no, a real fight no, song right that, there. That, that is a true fight song right uh, there, America. I love Randy Brown, but I don't think anybody's playing the New Mexico State fight song anytime soon. playing that against Tulane? Oh, no. Hey, but that, let me tell you something. a little bit nervous you know for the king. Let me, let me tell you something. America, see, I got to take these jabs. You know, Tyson <laughs> over here biting earlobes. Okay, my Sooners, my Sooners won the game. Okay, that's all that matters. At the end of the day, you see a W. We didn't play particularly well at home. I'm a little nervous. Our defense gave up too many points to Tulane. <laughs> but America, we won unlike the Wisconsin Badgers as he's sitting over there repping the Wisconsin hey, Badgers who got beat at Camp Randall at home to Penn State they the start of the Big so. Ten games. Hey, last time I checked, Penn State is the Nittany Lions. We are Penn State. Oh Tulane. God. What are they ranked? What are they ranked? What is Penn State ranked? I I think they're twelfth. I think okay. they're higher than Tulane. Okay. okay, yeah, well they are higher than Tulane, but it doesn't matter, Joe. Oh it's the first game of the season, season, and you're at home with your big crowd. Yeah, you might you might not win a game in the Big, they're gonna the big run, Ten. They're you gonna might run not, the table. You it, might not win that the Wisconsin game. game was hard to watch, though. They had three possessions so in the red zone and didn't score a single point. Mark, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, because I concur. It yeah. was hard to watch. It I was. turned. I changed the it was channel. Nothing, nothing at halftime. It was. It was boring. Hey. It was boring. Hey. Listen, I nothing started watching about that jump Listen, around. Let me tell you something. Before you, before you, this is how boring it was. <laughs> I turned it on the pickleball championship. Okay, <laughs> I, I turned it on. Up. I passed it up. What? I went. I went to the pickleball championship because the Penn State Wisconsin game was just dry. You know how bad it was, John. It, Water, please. That's right. <laughs> you know, John, being a, a producer, director extraordinary, oh. you know how they always have the little teases coming up the halftime show. Yeah, yeah. For the Penn State Wisconsin game, they put Big Ten rock fight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they, hey, it was. Because they didn't have any highlights. It, hey. was, it was terrible. I, 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 they need another hey. analyst on that uh, set. They should, they should bring me out there. They should. Because I, I would Man definitely for say. All season. I would definitely say, hey, listen, you know, hey, th this sucks. Can we can we put on something else, please? Can we put on the pickleball championship, please? I want to see the pickleball was that championship. Was on NBC Sports Chicago? Uh, no, we don't. We, we're not. No, we didn't bring the eye in the sky. We didn't get that on All there. right. So it looks like. Oh, I've been shot. Yeah, we're doing, going rapid. Fire. It looks like Alabama's heads and tails above everybody. It's only one week, but they look awfully strong. The new quarterback, really Ooh. good. I'm going to tell you what. What's his name? Bryce, uh, what is his last name? 
look it up, John. It doesn't uh, matter. His name he's is Bryce. Really good. It, it, it's all, it doesn't almost matter who you put in this starting yeah. quarterback role. They always system, man. I mean, it's the system. And this kid has got talent. I mean, he he broke a freshman record. Bryce was, Young. Uh, yeah, Bryce yeah. Young. He broke a record that was you know the previous four card was Mac Jones. I think it was. Um, Joe Namath or Ken Stabler. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the most yards thrown by yeah. their first game. Bart Starr. And, no, I don't know, man. I don't know if Bart Starr was throwing it like that. No. <laughs> this kid was slinging it. And and I tell you what, they just reload at the wide receiver position. I mean, they've got well, so many guys that have been in the draft the last two years in the first round. Yeah. They just reload. Yeah, people wonder why Alabama's so good. They have the number one recruiting class just about every year. Yeah. I mean, it's a self-sustaining have program. Have you been down to the university? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, all, I mean, all jokes aside, all, right, yeah, yeah. all jokes aside, yeah, yeah. have you been down to Tuscaloosa? <laughs> have you seen the facilities, the program? That in itself, if I was a college athlete, I mean, if I was going back now, like I don't know, I was and I went down there, if Alabama had a great basketball program and their program looked the way it looks now, you'd have had me too. I, yeah. I'm going to Alabama. Roll Tide! Roll Tide! But you know what? I ended up in Oklahoma, baby. I ended up sooner land, baby. And now that name, image, and likeness thing, you know, these kids, some of these kids Ooh. are getting a million bucks. Oh, yeah. So, Ooh, baby, you know. Could you imagine what Stacy Sky King would have Yo, done yeah, back in the day? Yeah. Um, Ooh, if I could have my brand. I thought you were getting that back in the day. <laughs> wow, that Mark. Was hey, American Statue of Limitations. <laughs> that was um, you heard nothing here on the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. You can't touch me in CAA. It's legal now, baby. <laughs> but you took a pay cut. Yeah. Yeah, I did take a pay cut when I came to the Bulls. I'm not oh, gonna lie. come on. Get the yeah. rifles. We are recording this podcast on Thursday evening, getting ready for the NFL kickoff. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champs, hosting the Dallas Cowboys. I imagine you rooted for the Cowboys as a kid, Stace. Uh What the hell Uh did you just... I thought you were a New England Patriot fan and a Bears fan. Tom Brady. My my oldest daughter is very excited about Gronk and Tom Brady getting their rings tonight. Sorry. That's that's all I got for you. Oh, wow. There's no loyalty in the wash house. Did you watch any of the hard knocks with the Cowboys? I watched a little bit of it, and um, let me just say this, man. America, you know, I grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan. I'm not afraid to admit it. I've been cl- I've been hiding in the closet for the last four or five years. I'm crawling out the closet, oh, come on. and I'm what? supporting my Cowboys. What? Yes. You be- How about them Cowboys? We're going to win it, baby. We can do the Super Bowl, baby. No and it starts, it starts tonight. We're going to beat up on Tom Brady. No Troy way. and Emmett. And Michael Irvin aren't coming out of that uh, tunnel tonight, pal. Out of that closet? Is that what you said? There's plenty of room in that closet. Listen, huh? hey, listen. Hey, have you seen their facility? Ever? Yes. Let me tell you have something. You the Cowboys yes. facility? Oh, go down, go nice. down and look at the Cowboys facility. Oh, my okay. God. Yeah. It's, all it's, like about, it's all about the facilities. Here, here's my prediction real quick. They always start. Well, they always start fast. Cowboys? Cowboys. All right. September, all the Cowboys look good, oh, and then they fade. And we got to listen to his analysis. They fade. They got that great Big Ten running back, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. The Ohio State. Yeah. And if Dak Prescott stays healthy, oh boy, which is a big if, if. in their offensive <laughs> line, who's been pretty dominant yeah. the last few years. Sure. Um, if they can, if they can put it together this year, whoo, oh, how about them cowboys? <laughs> I'm, putting in I'm putting it in the notes. Oh, I've been shot. <laughs> the bears open up Sunday night in Go Los bears. Angeles against the Rams. <laughs> Justin Fields will be watching from the sideline, but I tell you what, if Aaron Donald gets a couple licks in on, uh, Andy Dalton, oh, we might oh. see the rookie. 
Justin Fields. Yeah. Are you in good hands? <laughs> stay on the sideline, baby. Yeah, stay hold, on. The, hold the clipboard. Wait till week two, right? This, no, no. Wait the whole season. Do not get out there, Justin Lose your Fields. helmet. Don't, hey, yeah. Lose the helmet. Lose the shoe. Come out in flip-flops. Just stay. We need you for the next year. You don't want him to see him at all this rookie year? No. No, because I now, now now with that offensive line. No, that's pretty bad. I, I, I yeah. do not want that kid to have anything happen to him before he really gets an opportunity Chuck and duck. out there. Because, listen, unless you're going to put in an offense that's going to get him on the move and get him out of the pocket, that's the only way it's going to happen. I mean, kind of like, you know, Mahomes moving him around and letting his athleticism take place. But these guys are bigger and faster. And I'm still having nightmares on that hit he took in the second preseason game. And that's what I'm worried about more so. Uh, let them get their offensive line together before you put that kid out there. Let let the red rifle, the, the red gun, or whatever you want to call him, um, let him be the quarterback. He's he's a veteran. He's a veteran quarterback. Um, let him you know, get beat up. Yeah. Let him let him take the hit. He's familiar you know? with getting hit behind yeah, bad yeah. offensive lines. But you know what though? I mean, this you know, he he's a serviceable he's a serviceable starter. I know everybody's excited to see Justin Fields to turn him loose. But you got to be careful with these young quarterbacks, man. If you don't have the protection, um, you know, you could damage this kid, his psyche. You know, I don't think you can because it just looks like he's really strong mentally. But I, I just don't put him out there this year. I tell you what, though, you look at the injury report already. The Bears have suffered so many key injuries. Eddie Goldman hurt his knee at practice. The nose tackle, he could be out. Khalil Mack has got a groin injury. He's, he's limited at practice. And Darnell Mooney, their speed receiver, is, uh, is hurting as well. And that's the other thing, <sighs> the other component of the NFL, offensive line and depth at positions. And those are two things that Bears don't have. Right. They're, they've got a long way to go. Yep. Spend some money. Got some more rifles for us on uh, rapid fire. We've we got to get to this segment because it's always one of our favorites. When John plays show and tell, for oh, those yeah, of quick. you watching uh, oh, on YouTube, oh, the uh, this no. is going to be what? The history of the tub? Yeah. Is oh. this what I'm hearing? I saw him down there so, this so morning. Real quick, I know we've mentioned the tub. You <laughs> saw him down there. You knew we were I'll in trouble. Real huh? quick. I, right. The Baseball Hall of Fame, I got kind yeah. of fired up. Ted Simmons. You Ted know, Simba. Simba. You, yeah. Well, you remember Simba. But So this is basically... A couple of little treats. This is how I started collecting cards. I'd get oh, like a wow. tackle box, wow, and then I would get the tackle. cards, and I would just throw them in there. Yeah, but they're I, not encased in plastic, the, so this is, uh, no. no. You know, no. the White Sox, Slimy. here's uh, Royal Stillman. <laughs> Oil. You know, just extra, you know. Anyways, uh, this is how it would start. <laughs> Complete sets over the years, and then... Do you have it arranged by team? Uh, by team. How many right? cards are actually in there? number two. So, yeah. There's more boxes? So, yeah. yeah. And then, and are you then, kidding me? Don't, oh, yeah. don't oh, knock yeah. over the hot sauce. No, don't. That's valuable yeah. merchandise. Yeah. So, then, lawsuit. so then I got a little more sophisticated, <laughs> and I, I purchased this baseball card box, oh. and now all the cards are aligned by team. That is nice. Now that's nice. So all the cards are here. So if I want to look at a certain team, I just find the team... And, and these are complete sets. This is the complete set of the New York Yankees 1979. All right, who's on okay. that card? Let, give our viewers a, a... Well, I can tell you who's who on it without it? even who telling it? you. All right, well, tell us. Well, you got You've Lou Pinella. You've been Pinella, in the you got, you, Thurman, you got Thurman... Uh, uh, Munson? Thurman Munson. You've got Chris Shamless, Roy White. You've got... You got J Chris Shamless? I got Chris Shamless right here. Chris oh, Shamless, man. baby. Oh, right baby. Is Reggie 10. still there or was he with the Angels at that point? Who, no, Reggie was here. Ron Wait. Davis. Craig Nettles. Remember Craig Nettles? Craig Nettles, Nettles the third Cold baseman, love, baby. baby. Louisiana Lightning. Ron Gidnick. Oh, Gidry, yeah. baby. Oh, Boomer Scott. I didn't oh, think he boy. played for the Yankees then. He was a Red Sox It's just a guy. shame all those cards are so greasy. I, I know. Like, I'm <laughs> just looking at him. Louis <laughs> Tion was a Yankee. Oh, Louis Tion. Yeah. Oh, is that autographed too? Goose. Well, they had the autographs on there. Goose El Presidente. Cossage. Is that Goose? Yep. Don, Before he got the mustache. Don Gullet. 
You know, uh, Fred Stanley. How much see. of those cards were, John? Well, I, mean, those, I mean, that's that was a great Yankees team. Yeah. Look, Willie Randolph, and then there he is, Reginald Jackson. Reggie, oh. Reggie. But that was the year the uh, We Are Family Pirates won the World yeah, Series. Yeah, that would be the We Are. Oh, that's right. They beat the Baltimore Orioles. Right. Willie Stargell. I have. I have that. Dave oh, the Parker. Yankees didn't get there. Not that year. No, they Not beat the Orioles. Year. Seventy-eight. Came the back Yankees. three games to one. Seventy-eight. Ooh. The Yankees. So, so anyway, so feel this like is, Les Grobstein remembering all. Yeah. That. yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> this, so this box. Grobber. The two of you. Is, Shout out the Grobber. And then, and then yeah. in nineteen eighty-one, I I bought some cards. So this is you bought them from Western Electric. Well, I didn't know they sold trading cards. <laughs> they didn't. But the, dude, the guy I bought them from, his parents worked for. Western. He, he knocked over a so, service guy, so a service repairman. That yeah. box is looking kind of old. It is 1980, and there you go. There is all the complete sex of all sex, sex. Well, hey, hey, it's a chance. Children listening. So here's the White Sox right there, 1980. 1980. Who's on that team, John? He's got the rubber bands. Yeah, really nice. yeah. you know what? He, That's why you don't bend the card. Very organized. Yeah, very organized. You don't yeah. like the that. Card. So there's the team photo. That's the card you get. <laughs> Nobody can see. Yeah. Nobody can see but John. <laughs> America. Alan, Alan Bannister. Alan Bannister. Alan, uh, Thad Bosley was on that team, Ooh. right? Uh, remember Where, the sh- where'd they finish in Ed, the standings? Ed remember Ed, Ed Farmer? Farmio. Ed Farmio, Farmio, right there. Mm-hmm. Ed Farmer Ralph, like like uh, Mark Fidrich. He was Fidrich. a really yeah. good closer for the White yep. Sox. Ralph Gar. Yeah. Yep. Roadrunner. So, so it goes on and on and so on. Yeah, it does go on. So, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Chet Lemon. Yeah. Oh, Chet Lemon. Oh, Lemon. Hey, this guy, Milt May. See, these they bring back to my childhood watching the White Sox. Oh. Look at the smile on his face. Yeah, he's like, he's really loving it. Do you have those? John, let me ask you a question. Do you have your little tub insured? No, I don't. You should take out some insurance. You should take some insurance out on that. So the final box, okay, I was working for the Raiders. I met a guy at Tops, and we became buddies. And one day, I got a shipment, and he sent me. Be careful with the hot sauce. Be careful. Hot sauce America. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You can get it at gimmethehotsauce.com. Complete sets. Exactly. There's a whole bunch of So I have complete sets from 1988. Unopened. Unopened. This has never been opened. It's worth millions. Oh, please. To 1992. Unopened. Just think of all the rookie cards. That guy guy no longer works at Tops for giving John all these these valuable cards. He's unemployed right now. Thanks, John. That's the evolution of the pin. It goes from a tackle box to a regular box to cards I acquired. To complete unopened sets. Get them insured, There's John. There's no gum in there John, to wreck the cards. get them insured. In, in the yeah. tops box? Yes. Yeah. That doesn't damage the card, if does it? Just in case you have a flood, you know, you have a flood or... You don't have to open the box. You know. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Don't open no, it, John. No. no, don't do it, John. I just want to see what it looks like. We'll open he, the box here. While you're... He wants to t- try some 30-year-old chewing gum. Yeah, look at it. See. Is there gum in there for no, real? No Actually, problem. it'd be 40-year-old chewing gum. Here's what it looks like inside the box. Oh, There's all the cards. That is right pristine. There. So any of you in America, any of you guys collect baseball cards, you know. Yeah, let's Stinger know what just, they're worth. He, well, he really yeah, needs yeah, to know. Because yeah. John will come over there and steal them from you and, <laughs> and basically tell you your cards are worthless and, yeah. and force you to give it to him. Because we might just cash in his cards and forget the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? I, I'm impressed, John. I didn't really know, like, what your card condition was going to look like. I th- honestly nice. thought, well, honestly you, thought it was going to come in there. Us. Well, you got to invite me, Susan. You know, you no, you invite me to serve hors d'oeuvres. You invite me to serve hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, thank that you for bringing so that up, too. Right? Okay, wait a minute. I'm not <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, I forgot to tell you, too. Uh, as you guys were having a little uh, uh, seafood boil or whatever was going on at the estate, <laughs> at the Walsh yeah, household, feast, feast, yeah. that, you know, I didn't get invited to. You okay. did. Everybody did. Did I get an email? 
Did somebody yeah. text me? Who's on the group text? It was yeah, a, I wasn't in the group. Anyway, America. Right, America. <laughs> America. <laughs> they left Michael off again. See, America. Nice. While they were while they were having their 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 festivities up there in Wisconsin, you know, in the gated community, and uh, their, their their palatial estate. You were, I was. Guess where I was at. Guess where I was at. Where were you? Cleaning up poop. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Eating ribs. At Kelly's? Tim Kelly's. Oh, oh no. Oh, 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 oh. I told you. Did you <laughs> Hold it, America. America. What? America. Did you fight it? Yeah, I tried it. I tried it. Did you did you not get my FaceTime? Remember, did you know did y'all yeah, you remember that? And I said and I was sending Kelly? yes, and I was sending you guys a FaceTime because uh, Tim didn't want me ribs? Tim didn't want me to tell y'all that oh, I was in his house. Wow. So I go, because the first thing I said was America. This is I'm a team player. So I get a call from my boy Tim Kelly. He said, hey. What are you wow. doing? I'm I said, oh, nothing. He said, come on over and let's, you know, I'm cooking some ribs. I'm, I'm like, oh, you ain't got to ask me twice. I was there. So then I get over there, th assuming that my give me the hot sauce crew was there, because we know we travel as a team. Yeah. Okay. Apparently not. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. We see Tim, you know, he pulled a, you know, pulled a selfish player on us. Wow. You know, didn't want to pass the ball. He passed it to his boy, though. And I scored. Wow. Anyway, so, so I get there I'm hurt. and I'm like, I see other people. I'm like, oh. where's, where's Mark? And, you know, where are the Walsh's? Where's everybody at? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know the classic yeah. whispers. Yeah. That's cold. So I go, yeah, I go. Blooded. You didn't invite him. He goes, no, no. We're gonna do something totally different with oh, all yeah. of our totally people. Totally different. So yeah. I said, well, but by, by the time you do this, we're gonna have food. By, and by, by the time totally you, different. By the five, <laughs> y'all, hey, yeah. you guys are gonna have chips, chips and salsa, okay? But what I told him, I said, well, by the time you throw another party, it's gonna be cold outside. And yeah. yeah. Gonna be at a barbecue. He goes, no, no. We're gonna do something. We're gonna do something. So, so when, we, so I'm sitting there enjoying my ribs. Oh my god, they were awesome. Too. Were you guilty? Oh. Did you feel guilty? Yes. Yeah, so I said, I'm no, gonna call. So no, no, no. I did. So, so, so Tim. He did FaceTime. So I tried to FaceTime y'all because I wanted y'all to see that I was there? thinking about you. So I FaceTime you. And so Tim's like, and it, so Tim gets the FaceTime call too. I didn't know. And I totally forgot. I'm like, Tim. so then he goes, what are you doing? I go, what are you doing? I said, um, I'm, 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 I said I'm, 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 I'm texting up people. I'm going to know I'm in. having a good time. He goes, hang that up. I'm Hang it up. And if you notice, it was an abrupt ending to the call. I it was like it was like two rings and it, it cut was, off. It was Monday night. Yes, yeah. yeah. Monday thought, night. We thought you butt dialed. No, I was trying to get y'all to see what was going on. But I did say, "What's up, King?" Yeah. You did, but and you know what? No, no my, my phone, yeah. my phone was confiscated yeah. no. because of the fact that I tried to call y'all. Did you bring some of the delicious? Oh, uh, let me tell you something. Give me the hot. Wait sauce. a minute, America. Did you bring out the Let me tell you something, America. America, where's the barbecue sauce? Let me see it. Bring the the King's Q. Okay, America. Here, pass it over here. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> America. Can't be trusted with this. Let me tell you something. America, America. Look at this right here. Oh my God. If you are throwing a barbecue, okay, this is my first time tasting this on ribs. Okay, look, King's Q. You can see it right there. It's <laughs> oh King's Q. You can go to gimmethehotsauce.com. Give me the hot sauce. A little shameless plug, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. We put these on the ribs. We had a taste test. With yeah. people in the house, oh, and they yeah. put, you know, they put like, um, you know, rays, the blind rays. Taste yeah. Test, yeah, no, we didn't even tell them. We just yeah. said these are here, these are here, taste these, and everybody wanted King's Q. Everybody, sriracha. Everybody that was invited. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, listen. And I, there I, is listen. an unbiased testimonial, yes. America. Yeah. You know what, America, America. <laughs> 
I did not want to leave my team. Okay. I did not want to leave my team. I was invited. Well, I was did. assuming that we were all going to be there. <laughs> and then I get there to my surprise, America. Wow. I'm by myself. I was like a raisin in a bowl of cream of wheat. I was the only <laughs> black person there. I didn't see anybody you else didn't there. You didn't have to serve appetizers. No, no, no. I told him, I, I told him that that's low, Mark. Okay. I, I told you that in confidence, Mark. You didn't need to bring that up to the listeners. Okay. Uh, no, I didn't have to serve hors d'oeuvres like John was going to have me do at the at the lobster boil you know because they you know they were doing a northeast a, nor, a new england type of feel you know they were having like you know what you have crabs and all this yeah. stuff and Belichick, lobster, Tom Brady yeah, were there. lobster yeah. oysters yeah. yeah oysters did you throw like corn in there and all that kind of no, stuff no no we it was a it was trust me we didn't have time to make the seaweed or and invite corn. people yeah, well, invite people. Wait a minute. I thought See? we said we we're having a seafood. Yeah, feast. we did invite you. But. I don't remember. Okay, maybe you he sent it to your neighbor. No, he said they were having a seafood feast, but it never said would you like to join. No, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's he, what. It, oh, well, well got, maybe just maybe he, maybe the invite got to the guy you stole the card from, he, Tim, <laughs> and maybe you know Tim got it. I didn't get he it. got this box in the mail, and um, he goes, "Oh shoot, it's the seafood." And he ran to work. He goes, "Can you put it in the refrigerator?" And I said. Yeah, sure. So I opened the box and I there were live lobsters in this. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. I just scream. I'm like, I don't do live lobsters. I oh. said, honey, if they're on dry ice. How did you cook them? Did you kill them? Did you put Hell them in a yeah. boil of water? Hell yeah. Boom. Dropped them right yeah. in. Have you ever seen that commercial <laughs> with the lobster that's hiding from the people who are trying to put him oh, in the sure, hot water? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's he's in the pool, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. oh, gotta go. Yeah. He ducks, he ducks you know, into the pool because yeah. he doesn't want to go in. You know, the- in a certain light, mine looked like whips, whispers. In a certain oh, light, I was like, oh, what does that look like, Tim Whispers? Oh, this is what happens when you're not here. Oh, Tim, oh, Tim, man. I got you back, Tim. Tim. Tim did say, ladies and gentlemen, that we are going to have a give me the hot sauce oh, barbecue. Yeah. We're not holding uh, our breath. No, Slash I'm, podcast? No, no, no podcast, right, no just podcast. Just a just a family outing of our our family here in the Give Me the Hot Sauce. Oh. I'm sorry you guys weren't invited. Um, I really felt bad. I ate yeah. my damn ribs. I was like, every yeah. man for himself, God for us all. I'm sorry, America. You put I was a, selfish. You put a bib on and just no, no. I was straight ghetto. I just say, like, just say, <laughs> hey, just you know, just eating <laughs> like James King. Like James King. One hand, one, hands. yeah, two hands. I was pulling a James King, baby. Woo, them ribs was good, and the King's Q was even better, baby. <laughs> Oh, man, we've done enough damage for one show. Uh, On the way out, we want to congratulate Tony Kukoc on his induction into the Basketball Hall of Fame. That's coming up this Saturday. Michael Jordan and Jerry Reinsdorf will present him. Hopefully, Michael will not take him to Hooters the night before in Springfield, Massachusetts. Well, hopefully, Michael won't get up there and talk about how he beat Tony up in practice. And, uh, Tony, it wasn't for for me. Tony wouldn't be in this position. You know how MJ likes to take credit for everything. The presenters just walk up there and stand in the back. So he won't yeah, say anything. Please, <laughs> just please let Tony well, have Jordan's his moment. Jordan's getting around. He was at Jeter's thing, and he was yeah. at yeah, yeah. yeah. He's on there. Yes. So congratulations to Tony, a well-deserved honor, and that's going to be a wrap for episode forty-five of Give Me the Hot Sauce. Want to thank Randy Brown, and again, our best wishes to the Kelly family. Stacy, America, drive home safely, Chicago. Beep, beep. Give me the hot sauce, baby. Get you some Kings Q. Another shameless plug, America. If I don't do it, who will? Give me the hot sauce.com, baby.